0: time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 32, Midnight Movie Madness. After midnight, we're not going to just let it all hang down, we're going to watch really crazy movies. I watched a documentary about the creation of the midnight movie idea, and it certainly seems to have endured, although I guess it's changed a bit. Now it seems to be the first showing of a newly released movie blockbuster tentpole for those people who have to see a film immediately, while back in the day it was a chance to see obscure, non-mainstream, and sometimes just insane movies. I mean, El Topo? There was one particular summer that I saw a lot of midnight movies. The local cool radio station, Starview 92, hosted a contest. If you suggested a movie that they chose to show, you got a free season pass. My suggestion was 200 Motels by Frank Zappa. I had never seen it up to that point and thought that might be a good way to see the movie. And in thinking about that, it occurs to me that I have sometimes scheduled films for classes I was teaching because I've never seen the film before and I would like to. Uh, This doesn't always go as planned. One time I decided to show Fellini's Satyricon for a film class in West Virginia. While a good example of Fellini, it didn't seem to really fit the class too well. And I didn't realize this until we were well into the viewing. But the thing I remember the most about it was the reaction of two baseball players in my class. Satyricon, like the Petronius source material, depicts the grossest excesses of the Roman Empire. In one scene, two men find a female slave and seem to be moving toward a threesome with her. My two baseball players began to sit forward. They were clearly interested in this development. And then as the scene progressed, rather than explore the woman together, the two men began kissing each other. Suddenly, the baseball players sat back quickly and crossed their legs. They were having none of this. So I remember seeing 200 motels at York, PA's Highway Theatre where the midnight movies were shown. It was an hallucinogenic experience, and I wasn't even one of the people smoking a lot of marijuana in the theater. Oddly enough, I remember some of the lines from the film, and even some of the imagery. It didn't have a profound effect on me, but it was pretty freaking weird. Now, because I hate to waste things, even free ones, I tried to go to every movie every single week. Brandishing my season pass, I would walk through the door, into the haze of smoke, and experience whatever movie others had chosen for that evening. Three particular stories from that summer come to mind. And here's where things become, literally, cloudy, because I'm not sure all of these movies happened the same summer. But let's just pretend they did for the purpose of this episode. One of the films was Jimmy Plays Berkeley. I didn't know at the time I would eventually wind up in Berkeley, but I did want to see a film about Jimi Hendrix. My friend Linda agreed to go, and that seemed like a good idea. But Linda turned out to be a bad idea for two reasons. One, she said she appreciated what a good guitarist he was, but she wanted to leave after about a half an hour. We did. And reason two, well, remember my friend Jim and his fiancé from episode number eight? Fiancé, Jim and I, and Linda, were supposed to go to the shore one summer. Linda and I were not dating and hung out as friends. But the friendship soured at a Catholic retreat when she suddenly realized what I was really like, her words. What that meant was wanting to spend time with my other friends and not sit and talk to her exclusively, even though she would constantly go off and talk to other people, usually men. Anyway, prior to our departure, for the beach, she decided to call a meeting. She then told us she was not going to the shore with us because of all my faults, and then, over the next 45 minutes, went into great detail about all of them. She then left. I turned to Jim and his fiancée, who said, Actually, none of those are your faults. What was she talking about? I had no idea. But it was pretty much the end of our friendship. Oh, one more funny thing about Linda. If I would follow her car, it was very difficult to know what direction she was going in. When approaching a turn, she would hit the turn signal and then slow down by pumping her brakes. But the brake pumping would be in the opposite rhythm of the turn signal, and it would look like her lights were just flashing left, right, left, right. Another midnight movie experience was Neil Young's Journey Through the Past. I went with some stoner friends to this one, and we arrived late, so we were stuck sitting in the front row. This was in the day of big screens, and there I was, with uh, more than just a contact high, shall we say, getting very paranoid when the Klansmen came riding across the screen. Help. And then there was the Beatles' Marathon. Help all five of the Beatles movies shown back-to-back, of course, starting at midnight. It began with A Hard Day's Night, directed by Richard Lester, who also directed Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. I show Forum every time I talk about Roman comedy in my Intro to Theater class. That means I've seen this film around 60 times, and I still enjoy it and still see new things each time. As for A Hard Day's Night, I've only seen it twice, but I'm still intrigued to see how the film's style really inspired later music videos. Following A Hard Day's Night was Help, also directed by Richard Lester. It was still too early in the evening for this diehard audience to yell for help as we watched this merry romp that gave the monkeys and the banana splits their crazy style. So, side note number one, the monkeys. At one point in grade school, everyone was watching the monkeys TV show, and I wasn't. I was an outcast, which was true in a broader sense, but this was just one additional log on that fire. Then when I did begin watching it, and I said so to others, I was told that it was already out of fashion, not in those words. I think this is my first brush with the fickleness of people with pop culture. number two, The Banana Splits. The Sid and Marty Croft People in Giant Puppet Costume Show fascinated me. The music wasn't that good, but the Sour Grapes Girls were kind of cute, and I enjoyed the anarchic, chaotic, and kinetic energy of the show. Plus, I've always loved puppets in any form. But back to the Beatles Movie Marathon. I can't remember if Magical Mystery Tour or Yellow Submarine was next. Magical Mystery Tour came first chronologically, but it seems like Yellow's Submarine was shown first. However, even I, as a lifelong night person, started to flag at this point, since whatever the third movie was began at 3 a.m. My confusion is understandable. Especially after watching these two psychedelic and surreal films back-to-back, it was beyond my ability to perceive the world around me properly. Finally, there was Let It Be, which must have begun around 5.30 a.m. Suffering from sleep deprivation, lack of food, and the psychedelia of the previous two movies, the breakup of the Beatles seemed even more poignant, in spite of that rooftop concert. And then I went home and went to bed. And one final midnight movie story. I don't remember which film it was, but my friend Peggy went with me. She was an older woman, and I sometimes babysat for her children when she was out dating men in her Parents Without Partners group. There's probably another couple of stories there. <laughs> but in preparation for our evening, she discovered that lots of people, quote, smoke drugs, unquote, at the midnight movie, and feared someone might offer her some. She sat at work, preparing herself by practicing the phrase, no thanks, I've got my own. No thanks, I've got my own. At one point, someone asked her what she was doing, and she explained the situation. The person then said, well, what happens if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I hear you got some. She panicked. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenchrum at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074 and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musafire.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera.